0: Basically, our point guard, two guard, guarding their power forward, and he says, get that out of here. Brown, with two, stands down onto the football. Tatum drives down and throws it down! Wow! I'm going to tell you, this is getting ridiculous. This is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I hope you all had a good Christmas. We won against the Raptors on Christmas Day, took it to the Cavs, beat them too, and then it was a tough loss to them on Saturday evening, which was a a bitter pill to swallow. I'm your host, Adam Taylor, joined by my co-host and good friend, Brendan Nunes. Brendan, how was your Christmas today? Today, How was your Christmas, buddy?
1: It was pretty good, man. Yeah, happy holidays to everyone listening. Uh, I did a lot of traveling because I was trying to meet up with family, so... I ended up with, like, six hours dra- of driving on Christmas Day, which wasn't the greatest, but got to see everybody and pass around
0: gifts and get a few myself, so it's always fun. Yeah, we got a couple of wins under the bag, in the bag. Okay, my words aren't working today. Yeah,
1: and so- Jalen and Jason are the headlines of these ones. Uh, the Toronto one, Jalen just went crazy. He was showing off in that third quarter. There's that clip that's going around a lot of his uh, – I think it's a reverse uh, crossover as he stops and then crosses right to left and just shakes Rondé Hollis Jefferson, and it's just so it, it, it's so well done. Like it's something you would not see Jalen do last year, and then of course that pivot that he had and then goes into the reverse pivot and fades away. It's like these are ridiculously hard shots that Jalen Brown was just hitting, and he's been on fire. And then both Jays
0: get 30 points against
1: Cleveland for the first time.
0: Did you see the stats on that on the, yesterday's game, on Saturday's game, where they were just, the last time two Celtics players aged 23 and under? I can't remember who they were. I remember one it of was them was Avery
1: like, Bradley, I think.
0: The, yeah, and then there was duos. So one of them was um, Tommy and Bill Russell. Wow. And then another one of them was like uh, I can't remember who the, who the more recent one was. It was back in two thousand. I know Paul. I know it was definitely Paul Pierce when he was with um, and Antoine Walker.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, that would make sense.
0: Yeah, that so the that, yeah that was the last duo um, that scored that both had thirty points apiece in a single game, and that's the last three times it's happened for duos under twenty three or under.
1: And I mean, there were some nice duos here. Like Horford was never the guy that was going to drop 30. But Isaiah Thomas, uh, Gordon Hayward, obviously a couple of years, uh, Kyrie Irving. It's kind of funny. This is the first time there's been 30.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, it's 23 and under. So that age thing probably skews the stats a little bit. Oh, to- right. But yeah, and then Avery Bradley also finishes the decade as the Celtics' all-time top scorer of the 2010 <laughs> to 2020, which was shocking. That is the
1: funniest thing. That is the most random player. Yeah, I mean, he was around for a while. He was the last one that was with the big three. And he had
0: such a smooth shooting stroke as well when he was with the Celtics. Uh, so it's not...
1: And it disappeared.
0: Yeah, it, it kind of... Yeah, that's what happens when you leave Boston. The Laker, though, I mean,
1: what is... Yeah, what...
0: Yeah, Even Rondo, um, traitors. I mean, I saw Rondo getting tons of heat over the Christmas period. Yeah, Rondo's always going to get a bunch of heat. I mean, that's what happens when you go and play for the Fakers, dude. It's true. It's
1: true. But, but after a bunch of wins, they dropped one against Toronto. Second night of a back-to-back. Um, I mean, sometimes you're just going to drop some games and you're not going to have that full effort, like we said. I mean, they were right in. Five-game winning streak before that um, against some not great teams, aside from the Christmas game in Toronto. And, uh, you know, Toronto came out and really had a lot of effort and heart that they were playing with. They were playing like they were defending champions, even though they were missing Pascal Siakam, who obviously is the best player on this Toronto team now. And Celtics look like they kind of just got out-hustled a little bit here.
0: Yeah, they were struggling, dude. I mean, you could see It weren't so much. Well, I'm putting it down to two things. One, they just got out-hustled. Toronto came to play. They'd got punched in the mouth on their own court, and they came into the TD Garden looking to do the same thing back. And the other side of it as well is you're coming off a back-to-back. There's tired legs. Don't forget as well, Toronto hadn't played since they played Boston in Toronto. Oh, wow. So that's a long period of rest. It's a lot of time you can spend in the film room. What looking at what was going wrong, working on game plans and they made some changes in the way they played and it really affected the outcome in this game.
1: Yeah I know we wanted to point out the rebounding and you noticed a trend that really made a difference here with in the second game Toronto having 53 rebounds to Boston's 31 which is a season low in rebounds for Boston and actually on the year there have only been a few teams. It's in the top 10 of the least amount of rebounds in a game throughout the entire league this year, 31 for Boston. What was that? You noticed a change in rotations for Toronto that really made a difference here, right?
0: Yeah, so in the game against Toronto in Toronto, they were using, how would you pronounce his name, Boucher? Boucher? Yeah, Chris Boucher. Boucher, yeah, because I always think of Bobby Boucher from that movie. <laughs> um, so Chris there Boucher anyway I was going to get into the movie talk then and they were using him on Kanta and Kanta was just budding him he was backing him down at will he was boxing him out and just moving him wherever he wanted to move him to make room for the basket in this game in the game in Boston they switched and had Serge Ibaka playing against Kanta a lot more frequently and that big body really made Kanta struggle there was a few times where Cantor got dominant position and Ibaka would just basically catch the ball over the back of his head or he'd just kind of step in, inside of Cantor and just use his frame to move Cantor out the way. And another thing they were doing as well is they were flooding the paint when Tice was on the floor, which allowed them to – because Tice is quite a slight guy, you know. He's not the biggest and most bulkiest guy. He's strong, but he can get moved. And they were using guys like Holl- Hollis Jefferson um, – Patrick McCaw had a great game. They were just flooding the lanes with these lengthy guys and basically making life really difficult for Boston's big to box out. And it was working, Did It worked all the way through. Cantor struggled with rebounds compared to what he has been doing. They grabbed, I think it was, what, 14 offensive boards that game? 15, yeah. 15. And if I'm Ibaka had four of those. So he was doing his work.
1: They, right. really,
0: they were just hungry dude they took advantage of the tied legs and they made a few slight changes that really affected the dynamic of the way they could attack the glass
1: yeah I think those changes really limited especially Ennis Cantor. and that's one of the main aspects he's out there for aside from a little bit of low post offense at times and yeah I think like you mentioned it kind of came from the Celtics looking a little bit tired and when you're tired not fully locked in not fully engaged you're just going to miss out on the little things and I think the wing players Uh, really getting a hand and body on their guys that they're covering and boxing them out wasn't really happening because I think that Tyson Cantor are always going to battle down low. That's part of their roles, but the wing players can forget that they're really responsible for that as well. And that's why you see like Terrence Davis and O'Shea Brissett, both getting three offensive rebounds themselves. You mentioned McCaw, McCaw gets seven rebounds total. Hollis Jefferson gets six rebounds. So I think that on top of, Toronto doing a good job of limiting Boston's bigs from rebounding that the wings simply just were allowing it. The Toronto Wings wanted it a little bit more than the Boston guys did here. But I think we wanted to talk about if we think that rebounding could be a long-term issue for the Celtics team, right?
0: Yeah, I mean I understand we're saying it was on it was coming off a back-to-back game and that makes a lot of sense on multiple levels. The only thing is this was a back-to-back where there was no travel required for the Celtics. Usually on a back-to-back, you might have one away from home, one at home, or you'll be going to two different cities, sometimes in two different states, and the travel becomes a major factor in the tiredness. Not having that travel really surprised me that they were so sluggish throughout the game. But anyway, I just wanted to put that in there. So moving on, yeah, I want to talk about Do you think this is going to be more of an issue? Like now teams are figuring out how to exploit the Celtics to limit the amount of rebounds they get. The thing that shocked me was we didn't have much output from Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum on the glass, which is something that they'd done quite well against Cleveland.
1: Yeah. I think that those guys definitely are the difference makers there. Cause like I said, I think the centers are going to go out there and rebound every single game. Like they know that's what they're out there to do, but it can be easy for the other guys that are more scoring focused towards the top. there, mainly looking at Jalen and Jason to be grabbing some boards as well. But long-term, I don't know, like they don't have the great personnel for it, but Jalen has taken a massive jump in his rebounding abilities this year. Um, I think he's strong enough to be boxing out what is a lot of modern fours. I mean, there's times where you play a little more non-traditional teams like, uh, you know, say Detroit or Memphis, where they're a little bit bigger and you're going to struggle there. Uh, Philadelphia would fall into that as well, but you're okay against Milwaukee, Miami. You would think against Toronto as well. Um, So I almost think that this was a little bit more of, effort because Celtics are dead middle in rebounds per game this year around the league sitting at 15th. They allow the 22nd most opponent rebounds so I don't think that's been all too much of a concern. They're kind of sitting around the middle in most of this so while I don't think that it's going to be some major issue there are some teams that could exploit it it just really I mean the one you worry about is obviously Philadelphia right
0: yeah that's eventually the Celtics are going to have to come up against them in the playoffs if they plan on making it to the finals or further than the finals figuring out how they're going to deal with that was a problem in itself before this happened where there was a poor rebounding game and I don't want this to come across as an overreaction it's more of a Kind of like an analysis of what could happen. But now there's a blueprint. They've, they've put a blueprint out there that canters all well and good until he comes up against somebody that's got as much or more strength than him. And we've seen how Embiid can give anybody the smoke that he wants to give. And then with Tice, if you flood the lane, apparently Tice struggles. And he's been getting into some serious foul trouble lately for, for some Oof. really sketchy calls.
1: Yeah, that guy just has a rough whistle right now. I think it'll it'll come and go. Um, but yeah, I'd be curious to see if teams really do have a focus on that, but I think if the Celtics also start to realize that opposing teams have a focus, that they're able to turn that up a little bit. Cause I I mean, I do think that Jason, uh, and Jalen specifically do have a lot of capabilities as rebounders. I don't think they're going to be the strongest guys out there, but their athletic ability being able to rise up for it. I think they're smart enough just so that you're not getting killed. I mean, like, this differential is insane, but if you are able to keep it within five rebounds, then you can be okay. Like, I think that it's very likely they get out-rebounded by some of these top teams, but they can't get destroyed where it makes a difference like Toronto did. So I'm going to be curious to to track it um, and also how the Celtics respond to that mainly because I, I don't think that this should be a long-term issue. Like I said, I think that they will get out rebounded, but I don't think it'll be
0: detrimental and be causing L's. Yeah, because that's the difference, right? You don't mind if they lose a rebound in battle by two, three, or four rebounds. That's going to happen. And, so right. they, and it, they're and going and to win. Jalen's mismatch on offense makes up for it. Exactly. And then you've got somebody like Hayward that's phenomenal at playing defense like on the helpline. If you watch Gordon Hayward played defense, and he's playing on the low help line, covering between the corner guy and whoever's coming in onto the low block. He positions himself so well to either get in the passing lane or come for a rebound if it comes over that way, you know, if it gets the friendly bounce towards him. He can pick up between five and eight rebounds on any given night as well. And then, as you say, we've got – I keep saying we – they've got Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum who can both go out there and catch catch rebounds as well. They're both long. They're both athletic. They can jump out the room. It's just about how much pressure they're getting put on in on the interior, right? That's how Toronto really made a difference. They were putting yeah. three or four buddies, especially on defense. They had a guy on the helpline on either side, and they were closing in. So the key had like a wall of three guys on every drive, and it was causing forced floaters and then there's three guys ready to box out and catch those rebounds and that happened time and time again
1: yeah and actually we saw a flaw of Boston playing their five best players out there meaning no real center Um, when you're looking at Kemba Walker Marcus Smart Jalen Brown Jason Tatum and Gordon Hayward they played that lineup for a little while and I believe that's where a couple of the offensive rebounds from guys like Terrence Davis and O'Shea Brissett came in um, while the while that lineup seems like they can do okay, that you know one of those guys can cover Serge Ibaka being the five on the other team, you're gonna hurt
0: uh, when it comes to rebounding. There, yeah, it's it's inevitable. It's a smaller lineup. You're hoping that what you get getting...
1: Grant at the five too. I, I think that doesn't help you with rebounding.
0: Not at all. I feel like at the moment Grant's not at a, a level to be able to out think some of these more premier level centers and Serge Bacca by by any means isn't a premium level 5 or 4 but he's a solid solid pro he's any he's team would now. Yeah any team would love to have Serge Bacca right I wouldn't complain if Boston went and got Serge Bacca would you Not at all not at all it's so funny
1: to think of that guy as like some seasoned vet now and he's a champion Yeah I mean did
0: these guys are uh, just it's a young team. There's going to be times like this where they're coming off a back to back against a team they recently beat, and maybe a little bit of arrogance sets in as well. Especially when right, the other team come. Has
1: fire to them,
0: yeah. Especially when a team like a team like Toronto that are, lo- that are missing Mark Gasol, Pascal Siakam are coming in after you've just beat them three days ago. Maybe a little bit of arrogance does seep in, and sometimes you need to lose like this to. Figure out what your next step is. You know what I'm saying? Right, yeah. Kind of smack
1: you back into shape a little bit. I think it's going to happen sometimes. And then they're looking at a pretty friendly schedule coming up with Charlotte, Atlanta, Chicago, Washington.
0: And hopefully they can get three wins. Atlanta worries me. Trey Young's been fantastic this year.
1: Yeah, we'll see, we'll see and then Devonte Graham and they they're going to have to put in some effort. They have they're more talented than those teams, but yeah, they they can't the way that they played against Toronto, um it, it more so falls on the Celtics' effort here. Um yeah, I mean, in that upcoming stretch of four games that I mentioned, there's in Atlanta and then they come home and play Chicago the next night. So like, that's the type of game where you could kind of just expect to have a win and see the same thing that happened against Toronto. albeit Toronto is a lot better team. Uh, the Celtics just can't fall asleep. And yeah, I mean, think that they're just going to out talent someone.
0: Do you feel like that was part of the problem when they played Toronto? I think it was just tired in general. Like they didn't,
1: they didn't look locked in and maybe tired isn't the right word, but... Fatigue? Yeah, they Sure, yeah, they just didn't seem engaged. Like, they had been playing really sharp basketball for a while. I mean, I, I don't know what the last real bad loss was. That Philadelphia one, actually. But then you're winning five games in a row and really in convincing fashion for a good amount of these. Uh, you're just in a great groove. You're bound to drop one. You know, I, I, I think that it's not excusable necessarily, but this is just going to happen sometimes where the other team just has a lot more fire than than you do on a given night. There was a couple of times that Celtics tried to cut it close and then Toronto would just keep on extending it back to that initial point. It felt like the Celtics couldn't break like that, like 10, 12-point margin towards the end there. Um, so yeah, I think that you're, these are kind of just going to happen. You're going to have like
0: five of these games in a year. There's going to be more than five losses, just so everybody's aware we're not thinking. <laughs> right, but There's, five like five where days. it's like, okay, we kind of just makers. got out-hustled. And you have to live with that as a fan. You've got to understand that sometimes it's it's just not going to fall your way. And you always learn something from a loss, especially look at the way Toronto, Toronto reacted. They took a punch in the mouth. Yeah.
1: They
0: They went to the film room. Granted, they had the time to do so they went to the film room, they learnt what they did wrong, they learnt Boston's rotations and they adjusted and they, then they won. My right. interest is going to be to see how that plays out again in March when they play in March and to see if they're back at full strength and Touchwood Boston's at full strength. I'd like to see how that battle goes now because at the minute for the year, Boston are 2-1 what two one up in the four games miniseries between Toronto and Boston. I'm really curious to see how that game plays out now.
1: Definitely. And yeah, like you mentioned, I think the ball does just kind of bounce to the other team on those 50 fifties. Sometimes I think that there were seven or so rebounds that just happened to be long bounces. that went straight to Toronto guys, but also them hustling after it a little bit more, maybe gave them a couple more of that. So it kind of happens. And yeah, I mean, for the Celtics, there's only five or so games where you just didn't have as much effort. But let me tell you, me doing my Kings coverage, there's already been at least 10 games where it's like, okay, they just did not try. It, it could be a lot worse. I mean, it's going to happen occasionally. Uh, just be happy that it is only on rare
0: occasion when it comes to Boston. Is that your way of venting because nobody's listening to you over at your um? Kings Listen, cover? Kings have lost six in a
1: row, <laughs> and they've been terrible. I don't need to get into it, but Celtics fans are well off. You you get one game of low effort after winning five in a row, it's all right. World's not ending.
0: Uh, you get used to it as a Kings fan, right?
1: So I've been told. Uh, I'm just getting started in this, and we're going full Kings right now over there. So, but yeah, um, I, I think another point in this Toronto one that that you had mentioned was. And a lot of people were talking about Jason Tatum only having
0: seven field goal attempts
1: for this game. That is, I I believe, the lowest he shot all year.
0: So let's go to a break. We'll get ourselves a glass of water, let these guys listen to some lovely advertisements. And then when we're back, we'll jump into Jason Tatum's not poor shooting night, but lack of shooting night. It's a big difference. We'll be back after this break to cover that for you. We're back after hydrating with some Gatorade. No, I'm joking. I've just been playing too much 2K. <laughs> oh,
1: we're not going with the Gatorade
0: here? No, I was just doing the 2K bit. Oh, okay. He has to refuel with Gatorade. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Tatum was... um, He finished with... What was it? It was not very many points, but it was off seven shots, right?
1: Yeah, 12 points off seven shots because he did get to the line eight times.
0: Yeah, and he was... Well, the entire team struggled from the line. But... The problem is it's not that he only had 12 points. It's my problem personally. And what shocked me was he's coming off the back of a 30-point game where he played phenomenally well. There was times in that game against Cleveland where he just looked unguardable, him and Jalen. Let's be fair to them both. But yeah. to then come into this game and only shoot seven times, which is the least amount of shots he's took all season, like you said, Brendan. And it's by more than double, right? His lowest shooting night was, what, 14 last or 12?
1: Yeah, there's a couple of 13, but
0: uh, the seven is definitely the lowest. So to only take seven shots on the night after you've gone for 30 is really baffling, especially to me. The only thing I could think of was he had a poor shooting night when they played against Toronto on Christmas Day. Maybe that got into his head a little bit, and he was playing a little bit more passively because of that. But Boy, did the Celtics could have used his scoring.
1: Yeah, and on that Christmas day, I guess also to that point, Kemba had 22. I believe Jalen had 30. He had at least 30. I know he was the youngest Celtic to put up 30 in a Christmas game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, maybe the thought was Tatum was like, you know, I Kemba and Jalen just went off against these guys. They have the matchups here. So that's what we're going to go to because, I mean – I don't recall exactly who Jalen Brown had on him, but if you're looking at like um, Patrick McCall that they're putting in there, I mean, these are guys that Jalen can really blow right past. Um, And there's not the greatest rim protection from Toronto. I don't think Ibaka is that same player he used to be. So yeah, part of me thinks that kind of just building off what you said, that Tatum was just like, yeah, I mean, I don't have, it's not, my team like i just saw my teammates go off against these guys i'm going to take a back seat a little bit here but there were times where he was passing up some opportunities that you usually see him take i mean i'm okay with him deferring a little bit here but he's way too talented talented of an offensive player to just completely sit back especially when he sees the team down and they could really use his offense
0: yeah and it makes it tougher for the guys around him as well right because when you're not shooting when you're Actively not looking for your own shot, and you're one of the team's primary scorers, you're making everybody else's life difficult because eventually the opposing team are gonna sag off you a little bit because they can see that you're not about shooting tonight. You're the threat of you scoring is what's going to draw the defense out. It's what's going to allow the driving lanes, it's going to what's allowed the rotations where you can attack mismatches. He wasn't doing much of that. I didn't, he didn't really make any like memorable cuts off ball. He made right. a couple of nice plays. He had that one step back where he was on a, he went, he, he like crossed the guy over, went left, went right, stepped back and then shot the free. It didn't go in, but it looked, it was good. It was, it was an improvement on the majority of his play that game. But when he's not on, unf- when he's not even attempting to shoot, it's adding pressure onto the other guys. And that allowed Toronto to really kind of, sag back a little bit and create that wall that I spoke about in the first segment around the paint because Tatum was a culprit of just he'd drive and then he'd just kick dude. He'd kick out and sometimes he'd be kicking to a guy that was already in coverage and he was struggling. That guy was going to struggle to get off his shot. He had a few nice layups. Don't get me wrong. He was just, it wasn't the Jason that's been terrorizing defenses over the last few games okay some nights he'll go five for 18 but he'll do enough to force rotations which gives other guys mismatches and that wasn't happening against Toronto and it was really frustrating right and to have
1: six turnovers and four of them being in that third quarter I think starts to discourage him a little bit but it was just an off game in general there's no there's no showing where I want Marcus Smart to have more field goal attempts than Jason Tatum like I love you Marcus I'm so glad you are back on the floor even though he looked a little off except for that one steal that was just prime Marcus um yeah there's no world where Marcus Smart should have more field goal attempts than Jason Tatum and I think it's on Tatum to kind of assert himself a little bit here he was probably the main culprit of looking tired and then like you mentioned I mean it makes Kemba Walker take the what is it the third most attempts that he then he has taken all year in 23 I know he's available. Uh, he's capable of being this high-volume guy, but if other guys aren't feeling it, then you need Tatum to step up a little bit here. I mean, he made three of the seven that he shot. He definitely had more opportunities. I don't think that people are worried about him being super selfish or anything. I think both him and Jalen have shown a willingness to move the ball and make the right play. So, yeah, I, I mean, in 35 minutes – Jason really just needs to step up here. I, I get there's plenty of other options that could do it, but that that yeah, that's really what it comes down to. And I mean, there's do you feel like there's any reason to have long-term concern about this or something to watch? It doesn't seem like he does this. This is kind of just an outlier.
0: At the moment, I don't think there's a reason to concern. It made me question the mentality he had going into the game in terms of, oh, I'm at 5-18 against these guys three nights ago. They've got my number. I'm going to struggle to score tonight. Do you know what? I'm not going to shoot as much. I'm just going to try and get You'd the ball You want it to in. be
1: the other way around, right? Like well, that's a problem, right? If he did, go,
0: yeah, like if he did go into the game, and we'll never know. This is just guesswork at this point. We're not in a position, like we're not claiming to know this stuff. We're not in a position to be privy to the inner workings of Jason Tatum's mind. But if he did go into the game with that mentality, then that that's a problem that could become a long term issue. We have seen a killer instinct from him, though, throughout the early years in his career, so I'd be very surprised if that was the mindset that he had.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, just lack of energy, really, is what I'm going to chalk this one up to, but we'll keep an eye out for it. See, next time he plays Toronto, what it looks like his mindset is while he's out there on the floor.
0: Um, I'm not concerned about the next time he plays anybody. I want to see at least 12 to 15 shots a game. Yeah, I, and
1: I think you'll see that happen. I, I mean, that's kind of more so what we expect from from uh, Jason this year. You know, he's averaging 18 this year. I think he's he's definitely going to get those up. I don't worry about it too much, but, yeah, something to kind of keep
0: tabs on here. For me, I don't really have any more notes. Those were my two big talking points. But you got anything left? What do you think of Romeo's minutes so far? Because he's starting to get a little bit more run here. He's impressing me loads the way he's been playing, dude. Super active on defense. Super active on offense. Makes the right play. He's not how can I put this? He's not overhelping, kind of like Grant Williams has been. Grant Williams overhelped on a play yesterday that drove me insane, by the way. But yeah, he, looks, he does that. Did you see the play I'm talking about was like um he, he was he got switched on to Ibaka. And the ball had swung out, so I think it was to Patrick McCaw. Patrick McCaw swung the ball out to, um, I think it was to Rande Hollis-Jefferson at the top of the three. And both Grant Williams and Kemba just rushed out of the paint to, to close out on the three-point shot from Ibaka. Ibaka literally just threw the ball up to a wideo, no, to um, Hollis-Jefferson. Hollis-Jefferson just threw the ball up because Grant Williams had left Ibaka and boom, easy alley, dude. I was annoyed. Um, yeah. Anyway, Romeo's look great, dude. His his hands, his steals, and the way he cuts off passing lanes has been what's impressed me the most at the moment. I think he's, he's really earning that rotation. Yeah, like far more than I expected. And his his speed is really deceptive. Like that was probably the biggest thing that shot me was how, how quickly he can change gears.
1: Yeah, I think that he still is a step behind sometimes, but he seems to know what the right defensive plays are, and most of the time on offense, Brad is just kind of sticking him in the weak side corner. I'd like to see him maybe get a little bit more involved, maybe opportunities to get a little bit of dribble handoffs here and there, because One thing that I think we kind of expected was he has a really nice touch, like his little floater he can use either hand no matter what direction he's going, and that is beautiful. But, yeah, the effort on defense is there, and he seems like he has the IQ that's going to develop, but maybe just a slight step behind right now, which can make the difference, and I think that's why, you know, obviously you're not going to see him out there in super crucial minutes. But, yeah, I mean, recently he has – Played now the last, what is this, six games in a row. He's gone out there, you know, uh, only three minutes against Toronto. But before that, 15, then 20, 23, 17. He's starting to work himself into this rotation a little bit. And at the same time, you know, Shemi, Javante, Green are getting a lot less run. You're seeing Grant get a few more minutes. And it seems like, you know, obviously Brad is continuing to play with his rotations here.
0: Yeah, that's exactly where I've come to the um, conclusion. At the moment, it's still experimental time. I think towards February, we'll start seeing, getting a feel more of Brad's preferred rotations. What I do like is seeing that Romeo's gone from an injured guy and then spending time in the G league and then coming back and really working himself into this rotation, like you say, the last six games in a row. I'm under no illusions that he's probably going to get a few more DMPs between now and the end of the regular season. But these are developmental minutes at the moment. I think if he can keep doing what he's doing, keep making the right plays, keep just moving his feet on defense, getting those steals when he can, court, just get being pesky. And then on offense, if he can just capitalise on the opportunities that do come his way, he'll start to get more touches on the offensive end as long as he can start finishing well continues to finish the ones that do come his way just in the flow of the offense.
1: Right. I, I think part of the issue for Romeo breaking the rotation is that he's just clearly a two guard. Like he's six four, um, about six two fifteen, something like that. He's two inches and twenty pounds less than Shemi. So I was kind of gonna present to you, do you think that they're competing for minutes? But it, it's almost a little different. Like, would you accredit Romeo's opportunity to just Marcus not being there?
0: I mean, that kind of makes sense, right? Like, but then I feel like he's done a good enough job now to be, be for, to force Brad's hand into finding some minutes for him elsewhere.
1: Right. Which would more than likely be, um, as a backup two and Marcus playing the backup one with Wanamaker losing a few minutes. So yeah, it might come from a different couple different places, but I think maybe his minutes start to decrease a little bit now again with Marcus back, but it's going to be up and down. I mean, I'm happy to see Brad playing with things here. Everybody needs a chance to get a little bit of run and you never know what sticks, what's going to work with you. And obviously it's just regular season. You know, guys are going to have nice stretches of playing really well. And then, You won't even end up using them in playoffs.
0: So I think that kind of finishes off this episode for you guys. What we wanted to do was give you a bit more feedback on specific takeaways we had from a game instead of just being like, this is a recap of the game. That can get boring for you guys to listen to. It can get boring for us guys to actually record as well. Just a heads up. Uh, For the next few episodes, during the weekdays, Brendan's going to be recording on his lunch break, so he may be in his car for some of those episodes.
1: Yeah, it'll sound all right. It's not going to be as crystal clear, so sorry about that, but I'll be calling him from my phone. I'll make sure not to miss out on any of these.
0: You'll still get my call accent in crystal clear. Some of you may like it. I hate it. (laughs) Other of you guys might hate it too. If you hate it, I appreciate you listening anyway.
1: We need like a word of the day from you. I mean, like you are the UK Celtics cover. Like each day, I need you to come with like a new adjective for one of the guys to describe how they played or something like that. We need to we need to get going with the UK. Okay, slang. but is it like
0: UK slang or do you want regional slang? Which one's it going to be? Do you want? Slang? I want
1: anything, anything, anything that's not said in the US
0: that's tough dude because I, I don't live in the u.s i don't know what's said in the. that's US. all right that's all right boston's a out. regional word boston boston b yeah kind of like boston but change the o to an i busting
1: oh and what does that mean
0: I Means like really good it was a like, like fantastic
1: oh you're damn right the Boston Celtics.
0: Yeah, Boston Celtics. Yeah, yeah. The
1: Boston Boston Celtics. Yeah,
0: exactly. Boston. <laughs> that's a that's a regional slang word. So we could use. So yeah, the Boston 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 go. Celtics. That's a mouthful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there you go. That's today's English regional slang word of the day. There you go. We'll end if on you that. If you've heard
1: one. this entire way, tweet at us. What is Boston? What is the most Boston thing of, of the Boston Celtics?
0: Yeah, and we want to use hashtag Boston Boston.
1: <laughs> there we go. That's
0: E-O-S-T-I-N, hashtag Boston Boston. Tweet at mm-hmm. us. Let's make this a thing until the next word of the day, which will be once a week, every Monday. There we go. Give me a chance to read some regional dictionaries. <laughs> Right, guys, we hope you have a fantastic... You're here, I found this actually before New Year's or on New Year's. So I'm not going to wish you it now. I hope you have a good start to the week. Thank you for taking the time to listen, whether you be on your commute, your walk, your run, just chilling at home. Maybe it's you like Brendan. I don't know why you'd like Brendan. but Maybe you do. I'm only, joking, <laughs> I'm only joking, Brendan. Right, and we'll catch you again later in the week. Peace. Say bye, Brendan. Bye-bye.